Hey, everybody. Come on in. You found it. Yeah, it's the best place in the world to be right now. And it's because there's a little thing coming up, and I think some of you know what it is. Hey, Omar. Uh, some of you know what it is. It's coming. It's coming real soon. And it's called the Simultaneous Sip, and all you need is... Do you know what you need? Yeah. A cup or a mug or a glass of tanker, challenge of stein, a canteen, jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better, including the damn pandemic. It's called the Simultaneous Sip, and it happens now. Go. Mmm, I can feel my ACE2 inhibitors restricting, keeping the coronavirus out. You know, I had this weird feeling yesterday. My, um, my town, as far as I know, we've had basically zero coronavirus in my town, which means that uh, I and everyone in my town have been just sort of play-acting uh, at the plague. <laughs> And we're all walking around with our little masks and everything. Now, I get the idea that if we don't all do it, you never know who has it and who doesn't. And, you know, you have to all act like, at least act like you have it, or it's or it's everywhere. But it's sort of uh, this weird, absurd realization that I've been living in a reality that doesn't exist. In other words, I've been I've been existing... In at least mentally, in a reality in which there's coronavirus on every surface, and the reality might be in my specific town, maybe none, maybe none. But we're not going to take the chance, so keep your masks on, I say. There's a, here's a, here's a question for you, and this was suggested to me on locals, and I want to see if anybody's had this experience. If you go in and you get a test for coronavirus and it's positive, they'll often tell you to come back in two weeks to test again to see if you're, if you're no longer positive. If you test positive the second time, do they count that as one person who tested positive or two? You know the answer to that, right? <laughs> it just feels to me there's probably not the same people testing each time. And probably every time they get a positive test result, they check it off. Check. Positive. So that might be at least one source of inaccurate counting. But on the other side, there was, I think it was a Yale researcher who said that based on the unexplained extra deaths before we knew there was a coronavirus, meaning that probably the coronavirus was killing people before we knew it, that he estimates that the number of actual coronavirus deaths might be one to one and a half more than what's reported. Now, let's say that's true in the United States. I don't, I don't have a reason to think that's true, but let's say it is. He's a, he was a Yale guy, seemed so to know what he was talking about. One and a half times more than we have, we're pushing 100,000, so that'd be like close to a quarter million people have already died? Already? Quarter million people? I feel like we would know that. That doesn't quite 
doesn't quite pass the sniff test. All right. Um, have you seen the, probably you have by now, the viral video of, it's got to be viral by now, of Joe Biden uh, doing an interview with uh, Charlemagne the God. Uh, now, if you don't know Charlemagne the God, it is important to the story to know that he is black because uh, the quote from Joe Biden is, in a, <laughs> and, and I'll read it, but keep in mind that you're going to be hearing it so out of context, which will be the, the second part of my story. So what, so what Joe Biden said as he was sort of closing up the interview with Charlemagne the God, he goes, quote, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. <laughs> and then Charlemagne quickly said, quote, it don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. Now, I have to tell you that uh, several people sent me this clip this morning, and the context that people sent it to me was Biden has gaffed again. He's gaffed again. Well, you know how we always talk about how the, uh, the left is always taken in by these selective video edits? You know, they, they got taken in by the, the Charlottesville hoax. I got taken in by, and other people, by the Covington kids hoax. So we know that video is misleading, right? Like, we know video is misleading. Uh, this is one of them. So there, I saw two clips. There's a short one. That's the one I just mentioned, where really you, just, you mostly just see Biden saying what sounds like an awkward thing to say. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. You know, he says it jokingly. Now, if you saw that by itself, it just looks like a gaffe. It just looks like, what? Why would you say it that way? It's just weird. It looks awkward. But if you see just a little bit more of it, it completely changes it. <laughs> so, so watch out for this video. It's, it's pretty misleading. So here's, what, here's the context that you're missing. Yeah, it's not a gaffe at all. In fact, I give him an A+. So you've seen me savage Biden, right? I mean, uh, there aren't too many people who have been tougher on him than I have. So if I give him a good grade on something, I think you should take that as credible because I'm, I'm quite biased in the other direction. And here's what I saw if you saw the slightly larger uh, clip. The two of them have serious chemistry. That's the part you miss. If you don't see how good their chemistry is, and you see Charlemagne talking very warmly to Biden and inviting him over and stuff, and it seems very genuine. Once you understand that the two of them have a genuine chemistry, then suddenly the context completely changes. And yeah, Biden can say absolutely anything. Because once you see that they're, you know, they're, they're just so friendly and so comfortable with each other, then it just is obviously just uh, Biden joking around. And by the way, he did it really well, really well. And here's what I mean by that. By, by, his, by his ability to just put it out there so comfortably, it, it kind of tells the story that he's very, very comfortable with Charlemagne the God, and by extension, you say to yourself, he likes black people. Joe Biden likes black people. That's what I got out of it. 
If you got anything else, like it was awkward or whatever, you probably saw the short clip, just see a little bit more, and you're going to tell yourself, if black people watch that clip, they are going to like Joe Biden because it is unmistakable that he likes them. It's really strong. (laughs) It's really strong. Strong enough that Trump has to be careful of that. Meaning, you know, I think I may have underestimated Biden's appeal because he sell he sells a genuine a genuine chemistry that I don't think you can fake. Honestly, I don't think you can fake that. Like he's just not that good that you can fake that. That looks real to me. And if it registers as real to the black community, uh, he's gonna get a lot of votes. Well we know he will anyway, but so I'm gonna be a contrarian on that one. That's not a gaffe. That was a home run if you see the whole clip. Um, let's see what else we got going on here. So it's starting to look like uh, at least Obama and Biden won't have to worry about any legal repercussions for so-called Obamagate. The, the hypothesis that we're sort of coming to understand is that Obama probably got the, not probably, Obama got the ball rolling but probably was not in on the details of whatever they did, and maybe they did a little more than they were supposed to, meaning Comey. So it's probably going to turn out to maybe the underlings did more than they should. That could be a problem, but probably not for for Obama. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So Jack Murphy over on Twitter was tweeting that uh, a good friend of his was automatically unfollowed from Jack's account, and his friend noted that he also had been unfollowed from me and from Mike Cernovich at different times. And Jack was asking us, you know, what's up with that? And I'll give you my latest. I mean, I still don't know the real answer, but my hypothesis still is that it's third-party apps, meaning that if you have TikTok, for example, when you sign up, it might ask you to have access to your Twitter account so it can post your TikToks. But it might give you more access than you want. Because <laughs> once, once some foreign intelligence agency, or domestic, could be our domestic agency, has access through a third-party app to your Twitter account, I think they can unfollow you. And I don't think there would be any record of it that you would ever see. So... Uh, my hypothesis, because I've actually talked to you know, Jack Dorsey about it, and unless I'm the world's worst judge of character, and I don't think I am, unless I'm the world's worst judge of character, Jack has no idea why this is happening. And, I, and he's looked into it. So I think that... Uh, I don't think that it's coming from Twitter management. If it's coming from you know somebody who works there, that, that's a possibility. But it feels like feels like third-party influence to me. That's just my guess. I'll call that a, a working hypothesis. Wouldn't bet my life on it, but that's, that's where it feels like it's heading. All right. Um, have you noticed that the complaints about Trump tend to be so generic that they sound like a cry for help from the person who is doing it? Like here, here is one of the memes I saw today. It was a picture of Trump, and the, the meme said, doesn't listen, doesn't understand, doesn't tell the truth, doesn't obey the rules, 
doesn't care about anyone. Now, of course, part of it is just crazy mind-reading at a distance. I don't think you can see in his brain to see what he cares about. But it's so generic that it just feels like a mental problem on the part of the person saying it, doesn't it? Yeah, he doesn't obey the rules, which is an interesting way to put it. And, and I'm trying to think, if you were to just criticize the president on things that you could measure, how would that look? You know, why, do they, why do they have to resort to things that can't be measured? Couldn't they say, blah, blah, the economy, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, the debt? They, they can't use anything with a number on it. You know, there's nothing that could be objectively looked at that says he's doing poorly, because I'm sure there are. You know, there, there must be some statistic that he's doing poorly in. Now, obviously, the economy is in the toilet, but everybody knows what the, what the problem with that is. Just a question. So I've, I have a new, uh, a new policy for blocking, in addition to my normal blocks just for being trolls. I've started blocking people who mischaracterize my opinion in public and then criticize it. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, Scott, that's a little harsh. If somebody mischaracterizes you on Twitter, why don't you just tell them what your actual opinion is? Wouldn't that be better than blocking them? I thought that for decades. <laughs> Not decades on Twitter, but forever I've thought to myself, if I can just tell this troll, this critic, what my actual opinion is, I can get them to stop imagining I have some other opinion and then attacking me for their imagined opinion. In all of my life, I've never succeeded at that. And finally, I said to myself, oh, I get it. It's intentional. (laughs) Or it's something they can't help. Meaning that if they've misinterpreted you once and you correct them, they don't go to the correction, they go to a new misinterpretation. You've seen it, right? You've seen it a million times in your own life. They will just keep moving from one misinterpretation to another, but they will never, they'll never accept your own opinion as you tell it to them. In fact, they'll tell you that you've changed your opinion, as if you don't know what your opinion is. <laughs> so I've stopped completely debating with people who, as soon as, the, at the very first moment they mischaracterize, I just block them. And, and I find that my life is so much better because they always turn into these extended fights where they imagine that they're arguing with me, but they're only arguing with their misinterpretation of my point. Let me give you the specific example. So this particular troll yesterday was saying that, uh, claiming that I said that all of the states and all of the countries were having roughly the same outcomes. Now, if you hear that out of context, you say to yourself, uh, that's not true. Uh, they all have all kinds of different curves and stuff. So, of course, I didn't say that. <laughs> right? Here's what I did say. They are within a range, and that range is big enough. In other words, there's, there's no country where everybody died. And there's you know, no country that has an infection rate where nobody died. You know, so there's sort of a range. And they're all in that range. And when they're not in that range, it's usually some, something we know about, such as elderly in Italy, etc. But here, here's my real point. There are so many variables 
uh, uh, from vitamin D to you know, the, the sun, the humidity, the, the density, etc., that I don't think you can tell what the leaders have done that made a difference. So that was my point that got turned into this other point by the critic who got blocked. So my point is that if you were trying to sort out which governors were doing a good job and which ones did a bad job, unless you had a really specific question, like the nursing homes things, that's pretty specific. But in general, you wouldn't be able to sort out what went well or what didn't go well because of what they did. Because there's also the vitamin D. They use, some of them use hydroxychloroquine. There's different rates of old people. The, you know, the distance they have, you know, they have subways or they don't. So my only point is that we'll never be able to sort out the mistakes. But let's talk about this nursing home stuff. So the uh, here's what I think happened with New York and Cuomo, and uh, there's some other states I think that send people back to nursing homes. Uh, so apparently the, the initial guidance from New York was that any nursing home um, has to take these people back. But then a month later they modified it to say, no, 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 you only have to take these people back if you can meet the requirements of doing it safely. And if you tell us you can't, then you don't have to. Now, in the real world, you know people can't tell you should assume that these nursing homes are going to say to themselves, well, you know, we, we think we can, but they're not, they're not really medical facilities, so are they right? So you can see that this was a gigantic problem, but here's what I want to add to this. Do you think the experts told Cuomo to do something different than what he did? Think about it. Do you think that Cuomo's experts in the state of New York, or whoever he was talking to, when, the, when the, you know, the question came up of where do you put the old people who have tested positive, um, and there was obviously a trade-off, and they said, well, we could put them in the hospitals, but hospitals might be impacted, might not have enough room, or we could try to get them back in the nursing homes under these certain conditions that we hope will be safe. Do you think Cuomo made the decision... Or did he listen to his experts? Somebody says the experts told him not to. Is that is that reported? If you have a if you have a link for something that would suggest the experts told him not to, let me know. But I'm gonna guess that the experts told him that that would work out okay. How much do you blame Mario Cuomo? Not Mario. Sorry, wrong generation. How much do you blame uh, Andrew Cuomo if, and this is the if, we need to fact check on this, if he followed the experts' opinions? Right? Because what are all the experts doing? As far as I know, every governor and every president of the United States followed all of the experts' recommendations until the one that I know of, and there may be others, but this is the only one I know of, the one and only time I know of that one of these leaders directly violated the uh, suggestion from the experts was when Trump closed the travel from China. So we have one example of leadership. Correct me if I'm wrong. Leadership, 
was when Trump said, you know, the experts say don't do this. I'm going to do this anyway because I, like I like the risk management of it. If it's wrong, it's just two weeks. It's no big deal. If it's right, you know, I've saved tens of thousands of lives, and that may actually be what happened. So we have exactly one example that I know of, and I'm open to more examples because surely there must be other ones. But I know of one example of any of these leaders doing something that the experts did not advise, and it was right, and it was Trump. Give me an example where any of the governors did that. There might be examples. I don't know. Oh, Georgia. Somebody says, Georgia, uh, I don't know the details of Georgia, but I think what you're getting at is that Georgia opened up earlier than the experts suggested. And so far, do we know if that's worked or not? I don't know. But, yeah, that would be, if, if that one proves out, that would be a good example. So my point is this. When you're looking at Cuomo and you're saying to yourself, he made this huge mistake, you can definitely say it was a huge mistake because the outcome was bad. But can you say it was a leadership mistake if he took the advice of experts? And I don't know if he did, so let's check on that. And by the way, why are we even talking about it if we don't know that, right? Like why are we even talking about whether Cuomo made the right or wrong decision about nursing homes? Obviously, it's, it's wrong in the end. Without knowing if he was advised to do it or who advised him. Were these qualified advisors? I'd like to know that. Then we could have an opinion. If So let me put it this way. If his advisors told him not to do it, or even if they were mixed, and then he did it, then I'd say, well, okay, that's on him. If the advisor said, yeah, all things considered, there's no good choice, we don't want the hospitals to be overrun either, let's try this. If the experts advised it, I think he's, he's got an out. All right. Uh, apparently, my local hospitals, uh, Walnut Creek Hospital in particular, says they have a sharp uptick in suicides uh, that coincides pretty much with the shelter-in-place stuff. And they don't say the number, but uh, they say the, the, the figure of recent suicides just in my area right here is, quote, unprecedented. So that's bad. Now, my, uh, if those of you remember my first predictions here, it was that if the shutdown was a short one, you know, if it's a month or six weeks, probably it would reduce suicides because everything just pauses when you have a big change. But that the longer it goes, of course, of course that increases the risk every day that you go on. So we're well into the point where it would, it would be reasonable to assume that there's, there's more suicide coming. I looked before I got on. I was trying to look for excess deaths over the baseline just to get an update. I couldn't find it. Can anybody tweet at me uh, an updated, you know, all the way through today, uh, list of uh, deaths by month on the baseline so that we can see how um, 2020 is looking compared to the baseline? So do we have more total deaths with all causes uh, you know, this April and May than we did in prior years? I, I couldn't find that for some reason. Um, there's a, uh, there was a little study about drumming, of all things, in which the, the people studying it found that if you had people drum to the same beat and the end they stayed together and synchronized, 
that their heartbeats would actually start to synchronize and that when you had them do shared activities, uh, the, the next thing that you had them do, they could coordinate with each other better. So it's actually been demonstrated scientifically that, you know, of course, subject to peer review and, you know, uh, studies that back it up, etc. But initially it's looking like creating some kind of a rhythm does in fact connect people and that that connection becomes productive, meaning that they'll work together better. Now this is, of course, the ultimate extension of what the hypnotists know, which is that if you match somebody, you pace them, you can then later lead them. So it's the same concept, and you'll see it in, in a whole bunch of different ways. And once you learn that matching somebody is the first thing you need to do before you can lead them or work with them or coordinate with them well, uh, it's one of the most important lessons in life. So there's a lot of uh, talk about church openings and people saying things such as, why can uh, my gym reopen but not my church? Etc. And I've been just sort of monitoring that because <laughs> since I'm not personally religious, yeah, I've been sort of just watching it. It's not really my business. Uh, but the longer it goes on, the more I feel like I have to comment on it. So I'll start with this overarching comment. I'm not a believer, but I'm very pro-religion. I've told you this before. So although I don't, I don't personally believe. I, I witness and observe that people who have belief seem to have better lives, just in general, you know, statistically and observationally, and I think the science backs it up too. So I'm entirely pro-religion because as far as I can tell, it works. makes people happier. If there's an afterlife, well, bonus, but it seems to make people happier while they're here. So I'm pro-religion. Let's start with that, right? So if, if anything I say sounds biased against religion, just remember the first part. I'm not. I'm, pro, I'm pro-religion. Um, that said, why do churches want to open? <laughs> I'm a little confused. I know you like going to church, and I know that there's benefit of going to church, of course. That's my whole point. But do you have a kind of special God who doesn't do takeout? Will, will your religion suffer if you take a few months off? If you simply do something else on Sunday morning for a few months, will your God abandon you? Will you abandon your God? Will he not hear your prayers? What exactly do you lose <laughs> if you're just waiting a few months? Now, if I told you you could never go back to church, well, of course. You know, then, then you've got to do what you've got to do to get your rights back. But nobody's telling you you can never go back to church. We're literally just saying, hey, take a little pause here. I don't think your, your faith is going to suffer. So I watch this and I think, of all the things you could fight about, it, you, there's a, there are a million things that you could find to have some conflict about and disagreement about. But really, do you want to fight for being in close quarters with other people when it's just not necessary at the moment. I mean, arguably it is necessary in the long run for your, for your soul and your, your well-being, etc. But does anybody think it's necessary in the short run, given that nobody's faith is going to be shaken by any of this? Somebody says a need for a community. 
there is a need for a community, but again, in the short run. It just feels like it feels like it's a fight that's not worth having. Right? Now I get that people want their freedom and everything, but again, it's the short run. I feel as though <clears throat> somebody says, please stop, Scott. I'm going to have to block you for that. Um, <clears throat> so that's my opinion. Uh, obviously, since, as I said, I'm not a believer and I don't go to church, I don't have any stake in it. I have no stake in it whatsoever. But I would just suggest to you that whatever you think is the upside potential of it, probably no up, real upside potential in the short run. Yeah, a month or two, do a little zooming, I think you'll be fine. Anyway, I don't think it's a fight worth having, but it is your fight to have, not mine. So if you want to have it, that's fine with me. Um, amazingly, CNN, even today, is still running an article uh, about how dangerous hydroxychloroquine is and yet again, they don't mention they don't mention zinc. It's another entire article <clears throat> about hydroxychloroquine not working. And again, today, as of today, it's still running on their website, and it doesn't even mention zinc, the active part. What would it be like to be a CNN news consumer and not know anything about what's going on? I mean, that's a lot of context to be missing. All right. Uh, there's a story, and uh, I think it was Gateway Pundit, that uh, Klobuchar is saying that her husband took hydroxychloroquine when he had coronavirus, apparently. <laughs> and uh, Klobuchar sheepishly admitted that you know, maybe you know, things can make sense if you talk to your doctor, but then she tried to say it was dangerous, and she just couldn't sell it. <laughs> she just could not sell it. So uh, I think Klobuchar did not cover herself in, in glory. Um, is anybody concerned about this story about Trump wearing a mask or not wearing a mask to the Ford plant? I don't know if I've ever heard a less important story. Because the whole point of the masks correct me if I'm wrong, is that you don't want to be the one who's exhaling the, the coronavirus. It's not so much about catching it, it's more about you giving it to somebody. And the president is the most special of special cases. Doesn't he get tested every day? <laughs> now, not only does he get tested every day, but the other people talking to him will have masks on, so you won't have any situation where there are two unmasked people it looked like he was keeping his distance even without the mask. When he was in one part of the building, he did put the mask on. I don't know if I've ever seen less of a story. It seems like literally the smallest story in the world that, yeah, he seems to be setting an example. But what, what exactly is the example? The example that I got out of this was, if you're the president of the United States if you have a personal physician, if you get tested for the coronavirus every day, and if you visit the Ford plant, maybe you should you know, wear your mask in certain places but not others? I mean, who exactly is going to go out and follow that model? 
well, I was going to visit the Ford plant and I wasn't going to wear my mask. And now that the president didn't wear his, when I tour the Ford plant, I'm not going to wear a mask either. How many people are going to look at the president wearing a mask sometimes in the Ford plant, but when he was talking to reporters with the cameras on, not? How many people are going to look at that and say, therefore, I'm not going to wear a mask to my gym? I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that the president's setting that kind of a uh, that kind of an example. Now, of course, the famous example where a president did set a standard was when Kennedy stopped wearing hats, and then hats became not a thing for men. But that was just a style thing. Who in the world is going to be taking their face mask uh, medical advice by watching what the president does when we all know he's a special case? I don't see any story here. It's the smallest, the smallest news of all time. All right. That is what we know. Now, the president has promised us that there will be more good news coming down the pike, more therapeutics, more, uh, more vaccine news. And the latest news out of uh, Canada... The Canadians, uh, doing us a solid, I think, studied a bunch of marijuana plants and found that 13 of them, but not most of them, because there are lots of different marijuana strains, but 13 of them had just the right chemical composition that it looks like it, uh, it influences your ACE2 inhibitors to resist coronavirus. That's right. There might be, needs, needs verification, but there might be a marijuana treatment for coronavirus. <laughs> now, I don't know which of those 13 strains they're using, but I'm going to smoke as much as I can, just in case. Somebody says, you are wrong. What am I wrong about? Am I wrong that you're getting blocked for saying you were wrong? Probably not. That's for the new people who don't know that when you say you are wrong... Instant block. Yes, why is there not a MAGA mask? When, when the president uh, was wearing his mask, I noticed it looked like it was sort of an official blue-looking mask with a little, maybe it was a seal of the president over there or something. And I thought, that's pretty cool. But wouldn't you expect to see American flag um, masks be fairly common? I'll tell you the masks that look really ugly to me, the, the, the monocolor masks that are either white or black or sometimes they have some kind of weird skin tones that are sometimes African-American skin tones and sometimes lighter skin tones. And I don't like any of them. I, I, hate, to, I hate to treat it like it's a, a fashion statement, but all of the plain colored ones I think look bad. Uh, I'd rather see one with a little character. So let's get some let's get some good masks. I think I've actually reached a point in the mask acceptance that I'm starting to see them as fashion. And I'm also oh uh, I have an interesting observation for you. Just something to watch. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but I feel as if there's a certain segment of the female population who is going to feel more comfortable in masks. And I would be very interested in the opinion of any women who are watching this to to see if you would agree. Um, 
if you're a woman and you go out in public where there are men, you're pretty much always being stared at and judged and you just feel like you're, you know, you're prey. Now, everybody's mileage will differ, right? So there's no two people have the same experience. But it's very common, if you're a woman, to feel like you're just sort of a, you know, walking around, being looked at, judged, stared at, you know, people having, uh, you know, sexual thoughts, etc. And my observation is that I saw more women in the, in the grocery store than I'm used to. It actually looked like women were leaving the house more because the mask made them comfortable or something. And it was, it was sort of striking when I went to the store. It's like, wow, there are a lot of you know, women in a certain age group wearing masks. And I thought, I wonder if it's actually more comfortable to go some places with a mask on. So that's just a question. No one thinks Scott Adams is smarter than Scott Adams does. Well... You're right, but you're also blocked. Uh, he got blocked for being right. That's a, that's the first. Uh, <laughs> somebody says, challenge yourself. It's better than smoking dope. You know, people who don't know much about marijuana have different opinions than people who know a lot about it. I'll just leave it there. You can decide what category you're in. All right. Uh, Not me. Don't like restrictions to breathing. You know, uh, let me tell you a little experience I had driving the other day. You've probably had this too. You'll see somebody driving the car with a mask on, and they're by themselves. And you say to themselves, uh, you say to yourself, uh, I don't think you understand the whole mask idea. If you're by yourself in your own car, you don't need a mask. The other day, I got in my car after I'd you know, been in the grocery store, and I still had my mask on. And I started to drive, and it was still on. And I thought to myself, well, I'm just going from here to you know, home. It's not very far. I'll just leave my mask on. Because I, I got so used to it that the, the effort of taking it off, and when I take it off, it hooks on my glasses, and then my glasses come off, and then I'm like, ah... So I, I very, very quickly got to the point where leaving it on just for convenience was fine because it wasn't bothering me that much. Has anybody, has anybody got to that point where you've worn it so much that you almost, you've acclimated and you can't even tell it's on anymore? Has anybody got to that point? Um, am I sponsoring Rasmussen this week? yes. The Rasmussen poll is listing me as their sponsor for this week for their polls. Now, being a sponsor just means that you're, you know, you're, uh, <laughs> you're associating with each other. There's not a money. There's no money involved. Um, can we build a startup together? You have an awesome e-learning project. Well, I probably can't get involved in a new startup. I've got a lot going on. But there's going to be a lot of learning startups, I'll tell you. Um, if it's a short journey, you don't have to take it off. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I used to rip it off as quickly as I could because I hated it, but I kind of got used to it. It would be real easy to imagine that in the future we'll have some kind of mouth 
nose covering that maybe cleans the air, that maybe acts as your, your phone. I've always thought that the future would be some kind of a, uh, a comfortable mask that goes over your face and nose that you have on all the time, and you can talk so that you can make a phone call without anybody hearing it because the mask is, is muffling it. Somebody says the mask triggers their claustrophobia. Oh, that would be a problem. I haven't had that sensation, but I, I can imagine some people would. Yeah, some, so other people are saying, yeah, stays on until you're home. Uh, and other people say they panic with the mask, yeah. That's going to be really... It fogs up your glasses. Somebody needs to invent a mask that doesn't fog up your glasses, because I have that problem too. Uh, pull it down and step out of it. All right, here's the mask I want. I want a turtleneck that just lifts up. Do they make that? Like, it's just on all the time on your turtleneck, and you just go, whoop. I think I saw that somebody makes that. All right, that's enough for me. I'll talk to you tonight.